is Danielle Houston. I'm the host of the podcast, The Checkup. And today we have a much loved and returning guest who is always incredibly generous with his time as well as his knowledge of how legislation works. So many of you listen to the legislative updates. They are probably the most popular segments that I do here because I think Zach helps to bring some clarity around things that get really muddy. So Zach Snyder is back again. He's the Government Affairs Director for Cambia, and he is here in Seattle. The legislative session is, well, it's closed down until January. So Zach has been out talking with businesses and helping people like us understand what does all of this mean. So Zach, welcome. Glad to be back. Thanks, Danielle. Yeah, people love tuning in and hearing your updates. You do a great job of explaining things in a way that actually makes sense and does not feel biased. So we appreciate that. There's a lot to talk about. (laughs) Yes, and we just had an election this past Tuesday. So there is a lot to talk about. What's what's the landscape look like? We're going to talk about really three big areas today that you've outlined. And I think they are areas that our listeners are going to care a lot about business and healthcare and what the heck is going to happen next. Well, let's just jump right into it. Let's do it. The first thing that I think we should talk about today is the election that just occurred. And real quick, I want to talk about the statewide election. We had a lot on the ballot. Yes. But I want to focus on one thing, and that's Initiative 976. It's out there. Where, I mean, 976, everyone's talking about it. It's a the, hot topic. This is the Car Tab Initiative. And I want to talk about what it means for the state budget and taxes on businesses. 976 is an initiative that lowers car tab fees to $30. It removes a vehicle sales tax and it prohibits sound transit excise taxes and other municipal excise taxes. And as of this morning, 53% of voters approve this measure in spite of a almost $5 million statewide campaign to uphold the taxes backed by our state's biggest employers, Microsoft, Amazon, and Vulcan. That is a lot of money to get people to reject this measure. If it does pass, and we do expect it to pass, it's expected to leave a $2 billion hit to the state over a six-year period. The total hit to local governments will be $2.3 billion over the same period. Altogether to the state, this is a $4.3 billion hit. When you look at the upcoming legislative session, it's going to leave a $450 million hole in our transportation budget. Where does that come from? Yeah, great question. Because voters would think that we voted it, and that means, sure, they come up with it somewhere else, but there isn't a magical somewhere else. So where do you think it's going to come from? Senator Steve Hobbs, who is the chair of the Senate Transportation Committee, was quoted as describing our transportation budget as a sinking ship after the election. That's not good. This hole, the money will have to come from somewhere. Yeah. 
I believe that legislators will look at new taxes to fill this hole. The state budget is expected to collect almost $500 million more than expected, but there are a lot of other proposals out there. Right. More money is needed in the minds of the legislators. With that said, there is a flurry of lawsuits that will likely be filed. King County Executive Dow Constantine and Sound Transit, they're expected to file lawsuits challenging the constitutionality of this initiative and try to have it thrown out. And is that maybe too, because voters did elect to pass the RTA, right? That rapid transit assessment, right? And so are they challenging it because it originally passed and they funded it and now a new initiative to take it away? I guess I don't, I don't understand that piece, and I think a lot of other people don't either. There will be two arguments, and these are arguments outlined by former Attorney General Rob McKenna, someone who has a lot of credibility in the legal community here in Washington. The first argument will center around the single subject rule. Our state constitution says that all legislation and initiatives are legislation. Okay. Can only deal with one subject at a time. They will argue that this initiative handles multiple subjects. We cannot have omnibus legislation in Washington like they can in Washington, D.C. Okay. The other argument that they will make is impairment of contract. And that goes to the issue that you just brought up. We voted it and said yes. Sound Transit made promises to bondholders that they would pay back. This legislation will make that difficult, and Sound Transit will challenge this initiative on those grounds. Interesting. Okay. Well, moving on, let's take a look (laughs) at what happened in Seattle. Yes. A lot of news coverage was focused on the election in Seattle. Yes. The headline is, Labor-backed candidates prevail in the face of historic PAC spending by the business community which included a $1.5 million contribution by Amazon alone to business-backed political action committees. But they weren't the only ones, right? I mean, there were some other big contributions, just not maybe in that neighborhood. That's correct. You had other businesses contribute as well, but not to the level Amazon contributed. On the other side of the ledger, you had the union-backed political action committees or PACs, mm-hmm. their total contributions, a little bit over a million dollars. The business-backed PACs had more than double that. Wow. Okay. This election in Seattle pitted a slate of center-left pro-business candidates backed by the Seattle Chamber against a solidly progressive left slate backed by labor unions, as I said. Voters' number one issue was homelessness by a wide margin, with 53% reporting it was the most important issue. Big number. The next issue was housing density, with only 17%. Okay. As you can see, homelessness is a big issue. Yeah. Voters were not happy with how the council is handling homelessness. Mm-hmm. In that same poll... 66% of voters wanted a new direction on the council to address homelessness. Yeah. How many turned out to vote? In 2017, 37% of the electorate turned out to vote. 
statewide. Okay. As of this morning, it is closer to 43%. Okay. So a little bit of an uptick, but sure would be nice if, you know, everyone would get to the poll. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's important to talk a little bit why Amazon was so engaged this year and why the business community was so engaged. There's a lot at stake. There is a lot at stake. Amazon, their contributions were spurred by the failed head tax debacle last year, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners know. This head tax would have taxed employee hours worked. It would have raised $45 million to pay for homelessness services. The council passed this legislation, but very quickly repealed it when the business community ran a campaign and conducted polling showing that if they brought this legislation to the voters, it would have failed by a wide margin. Instead of letting the legislation go through, the council repealed it. So this apparent strengthened majority of progressives is likely to result in new business tax proposals from the council. For example, council member Sawant, who beat her challenger on election night, she was losing by almost by a eight points. Yeah. She was losing by almost eight points. After election night, as of today, she's winning by more than three points. She was quoted as saying that this election is as close to a referendum on Amazon tax as possible. A lot of political commentators in the city are already questioning, did the contributions backfire? Yeah. What do you think? I think that this election became less about the major issue, homelessness and housing density and some of the other issues, and more about are you pro-Amazon or not? What we see in polling is that people in the city are weary of the impact of big business on our elections and on our city. So when you make the election about Amazon, people are going to vote against Amazon. What I think we're going to see as a result of this election, remember, elections have consequences. Right. right. We talked about that a little bit. We've talked about that in all of our episodes. Darn it. So consequences. What have we done? We know that a head tax is going to be difficult, but some kind of big business tax to pay for homelessness services we may see. Yeah. Rent control is an issue that may come up. The legislature, state law prohibits rent control. The city will likely move forward anyway. Legislation to limit business PAC contributions. The candidates that won, they don't like that Amazon put all this money in to defeat them. So they want to pass legislation that prohibits big business PAC contributions. Okay. Of course, the citywide personal income tax. This is something the council passed before. It's tied up in the courts. A Seattle district court threw that out as unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. We could see the city take other actions there as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about, and we talked about this while we were preparing for the episode. You can take money out of one place right? But if the programs need to be funded because they've been voted in, then somewhere along the line, 
us as voters and taxpayers have to reconcile that if we keep asking for things and pushing things forward, it also has to be paid for, whether it's out of our assessments, like on car tabs or a business tax that in some way, they're all coming out of the same pockets. It's going to be redistributed somehow. Is that a fair, easy enough summary? Or do you think it's more, again, more complicated than that? I think that is the correct analysis. Voters have said through this vote that they dislike these personal taxes, car tab taxes. But voters also, through the candidates that they're electing, are sending the message that we want the programs that you are promising. Right. Healthcare being a really hot one that we've talked about probably... Well, I know we talked a lot about it in our last episode as well, but homelessness issues and mental health care and all of these things, right? All of these programs cost millions of dollars. That money has to come from somewhere. If the legislators are unable to raise that revenue through personal taxes, they will look at business taxes. Those taxes pull better for them, and they will continue to look there. Yeah. Okay. That gets us through at least what we've seen happen in our local elections here. And in our last episode, too, we talked quite a bit about what King County is wanting to push forward with health care. So, you know, if folks kind of want to peek into that, pulling that episode from July, where we talked about what that push is likely to look like not only in King County, but also statewide. Are we ready to jump in and talk about what you think is going to happen in Olympia in the next session? Let's talk about the 2020 session. Okay. There's a few large themes that we need to address before jumping into the session. And that is legislators will be hesitant to raise taxes because 2020 is an election year. You do not want to go to the voters and ask for their vote after you passed a big tax on them. Mm. (laughs) Don't make the people mad before you ask them to come out and vote. But remember, (laughs) we talked about Initiative 976. Yeah. And it left a almost $500 million hole in our current budget. And that has to be filled, right? That hole has to be filled. Legislators will look for ways to fill it. Critics of the legislature will say, well, just dive into the reserves or the rainy day fund. But legislators will say that is not what we use that money for. And they will look to other ways to raise revenue. This transportation hole isn't the only program that needs revenue. There are a whole host of programs out there, which include healthcare, education, other transportation projects. There are unlimited wants and finite resources. Yeah. And questions that as voters, we should be asking ourselves, what do we really want, right? Can't keep asking for more and expect to pay the same thing. The state is projected to bring in more revenue than they thought, about 500 million more for the biennium. That still isn't enough to cover all of the the wants all of the wants all of the requests is all of that marijuana money 
No. Or is it okay? Because marijuana did bring in a lot. There's a lot of people smoking weed in Washington now. Marijuana brought in a significant portion of money, but the reason why more money is coming into the state than was projected is because of our hot economy. Mm. Home okay. sales have been better. That revenue comes to the state. Property values have been going up. That comes to the state. A lot of your listeners know that the United States economy is all based off of consumer spending. People are buying stuff. Yeah. More money's coming into the state. That is how our state builds its budget. Sales tax, property tax. The last one is the state B&O tax. We have a tax on gross receipts. We're the only state in the country that does that. And business revenue is going up as well. So the state budget is flush. Okay. They're benefiting from a combination of, of good things happening in our state, but people as individual voters may not be feeling that way. If we hit a downturn, revenues will plummet. That's what we saw during the recession. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about a few healthcare issues that I'm paying attention to. As you said, last podcast, we talked a lot about King County's push to cover undocumented immigrants. Yes. King County Executive Dow Constantine, he wants to find a program that will provide benefits to undocumented immigrant adults. In California, they figured out a way to do that. They're leveraging their Medicaid program. They're doing it for a subset of adults, age 19 to 26, and they're doing it for about $90 million a year. Okay. The next one is foundational public health funding. County public health departments do not have the resources they need to carry out their mission. They believe that the state owes them money so that they can provide the foundational public health services that they're charged with providing. This includes immunizations, coroner services, things like that. They produce a report indicating that they have $450 million hole per biennium. So that's a two-year cycle. They're looking for ways to fund that hole because they can't get it from the general fund. They tried to get it from hospitals last year and failed. Now I believe that they want to come for health carriers to help fund that. And remember, if the health carriers are asked to fund public health services, that is passed on to our customers. Unfortunately, that is just the way that it works. It's the way all business works, right? Anytime a business gets a tax, they've got to pass that on and figure out how they collect that from their customer, right? I agree with that. Yeah. If it's public health services, this is something that the state should provide. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should be provided by one entity alone. So our industry is going to look for ways to have as broad of a bucket as possible to pay for these services. Right. It would seem strange, though, that immunizations, right, because if you have, you know, kids in Apple Care or you're on Medicaid, that's going to be a covered benefit by that kind of insurance. And obviously, if you're on an employer plan, your insurer pays for those costs. So why why aren't those 
being paid for through those buckets? Why would public health need that? It is being paid for through a lot of those buckets, but public health, they do outreach in a separate funding source. So they go to schools, they go to community centers. That's only one slice of what they do. They do a lot more as well. Okay. Think about needle exchanges. Think about everything that your county public health provides. Okay. And it's that's so, the it's, 450 Delta. It's so much more than just immunization. I just use that as an example of one of the things that they provide. Okay. But a lot of it is paid for through your employer health plan. Mm-hmm. Washington State also has a vaccine association that collects funding from health carriers and third-party administrators to pay for vaccines and make those available for free to providers all across the state. That's something that already exists today. There already is a tax on employers to pay for vaccines on their own. Interesting. There always seems to be some double dipping or triple dipping, depending on the ways we're gonna count it, but. And speaking of the Vaccine Association, legislators want to look at that model to cover insulin. There have been reports all over the country that individuals are rationing insulin because it's too expensive. People are dying. Legislators want to make insulin available at low cost or free. We do that with vaccines through the Vaccine Association, where we tax carriers and we tax third-party administrators to pay for vaccines to make them widely available. Legislators are looking into the same program for insulin. Wouldn't it be great, though, to actually, you know, force maybe the pharmaceutical manufacturers to make those life-saving treatments available at affordable costs? That's the end goal. Right. <laughs> state would legis- be a great goal. State legislators are blocked from regulating the price of pharmaceuticals. Right. Because... Only the Congress can regulate so-called interstate commerce. That's in the Constitution. So we need the federal intervention on that level. In order to get at drug pricing, it has to be done on the federal level because selling drugs counts as interstate commerce. The Constitution is very clear. Congress has the sole authority to regulate interstate commerce. Okay. When you look at all of these issues... The question is, where will this funding come from? We've talked about taxes on individuals. That seems hard to do. 2020 is an election year. Yeah. I-976, that people was approved. People are weary. Yeah, people are weary of the tax, right? My thought is, at the city level, at the state level, we will see proposals for new business taxes. In the past, we've seen payroll taxes for paid family medical leave yeah, and for the new long-term care fund. Right. That's a new model. We could see that extended to other issues as well. We saw a surcharge on the B&O tax to pay for new programs, 20% surcharge. We could see something like that again. And I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier, too, you know, is some of this a march towards something more broad in Washington state? I think that when legislators are faced with this demand for more and more programs to do more, yet their funding sources are getting yanked, 
I think it drives that conversation toward an income tax in the state of Washington. Ultimately, that's what most states do. There are only five states that do not have an income tax. Most of those states are red states. Nevada is a state that does not have an income tax. It's probably the closest one to us. That's a purplish state. But Washington as a true blue state is alone in having no income tax. As these revenue sources are pulled, I think it will drive that conversation. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think the last thing I want to talk about is the 2020 election because that comes after the session. Governor Inslee, he's running for a third term. That means they're not going to look at him as a lame duck. Everything that he does in this session, he will use to communicate to voters in his reelection bid. He wants to take bold stances that resonate with voters. He has posted very strong fundraising so far, over $2 million. His main rivals, there are two individuals. There are a couple people running, more than two. Mm-hmm. But his two main rivals that I look at are Joshua Freed, former Bothell City Council member. He's posted some pretty good fundraising numbers. And Phil Fortunato, current state senator. He's posted pretty weak fundraising numbers. He's a pretty conservative legislator. Most people are looking at Freed as the front runner on the Republican side. Polling suggests he doesn't have a shot. 2020 is still a ways away. The Republican bench is pretty short. The one person a lot of Republicans were looking at is Pierce County Executive Bruce Danmeyer. He's decided to sit out 2020. From his perspective, he's looking at the 2020 ballot and he's seeing a very strong incumbent from Jay Inslee, strong fundraising numbers from him. He's seeing Trump on the ballot. He doesn't want to ruin his political future by going down in 2020. Looks like he's sitting out. Maybe 2024. Maybe 2024. Who knows what will happen? Yeah. 2020 will be a difficult year for any Republican to win statewide. Yeah. That's what the polling suggests now. Things can always change. Mm -hmm. But Governor Inslee looks very strong, has good poll numbers, good fundraising. He raised his profile while running for president. He's getting more successful in the legislative arena. When Inslee first came into Olympia, he wasn't very successful with his agenda. He blamed that on the Republicans controlling the Senate. Now that Democrats control the entire apparatus of state government, he's been more successful. Okay. The state of Washington and our legislative districts, we have congressional districts and we have legislative districts. So we have 10 congressional districts, we have 39 legislative districts. In our legislative districts, we have five or so swing districts. Democrats are looking to pick up seats. So they already have majorities today and they're looking to increase their majorities. They're targeting areas like Linden, Federal Way, around the military base, on the coast, okay. East King County. Okay. They're even targeting right outside Spokane. They can stand to pick up a few seats in the 2020 election. Which, you know, would just mean some of these things that you've been predicting that we will get closer and closer to. It just opens up the gate that much more. It could. Generally, when you have a democratically controlled legislature, they're going to be more sympathetic to things like tax increases. 
With that said, it's not that black and white. There are plenty of Democrats in our legislature who are weary of business taxes, Yeah. who are from areas like Issaquah, mm-hmm. East King County, places like that. So it's not exactly black and white like that, but yeah. it does move closer to that majority that they need to pass a lot of these business taxes to fill these holes that the voters are are asking for. The voters are asking for new programs. Now they're rejecting new taxes. They're kind of two-faced about that. Yeah. yeah. But that's where we're at. Which, you know, kind of draws us back toward the things like if businesses want to be heard then representation of business, especially around some of these topics that we expect to see in the state around healthcare, we need to have more employers who are willing to raise their hands and come to testify about how these increased taxes or other areas are going to impact them. Employers are leaders in their community. Yeah. And they are heard when they come to Olympia. You've, you've stressed on more than one occasion having a business owner come and share about having to pick between, you know, giving someone a raise or paying their health care or dropping their health care. Those are things that resonate for legislators. It doesn't matter what party you are. Legislators are proud to have businesses in their district, are proud to have these entities that provide so many jobs to people. If these businesses come to Olympia and let their concerns be heard, legislators will think twice. Mm -hmm. It's all about who is down there talking to them. Unfortunately, the business community focus their efforts with their trade associations. And the trade associations do a great job. But individuals will have the best opportunity to move the needle in Olympia. It's called grassroots. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. You talked about that last week in an update that we had around a very successful grassroots movement in Washington, which, you know, maybe that's the optimistic little thread here that we can grab onto. This is a good story. Love it. This legislation that was proposed last year relates to the so-called gig economy. Labor unions pushed a bill that would redefine an employee and an independent contractor at businesses like Uber. The unions want companies like Uber to provide healthcare benefits to more of the drivers that are driving on their platform. California, again, that's another theme that we're talking about. This is an idea from California. California Assembly Bill 5 that was passed earlier this year did just that. It redefined what it meant to be an employee, and it made more of the drivers for places like Uber employees, which forced Uber to provide more health benefits. That same legislation came up in Washington. Now, usually these California-style bills, they sail through because they're very progressive ideas that are supported by a wide swath of stakeholders. However, when this legislation was proposed, the hairstylist got a hold of it. And the hairstylists saw that this impacted their business model because they're independent contractors. That's how they make their money. They did not have a professional lobbyist. They did not have a professional apparatus, but they swarmed Olympia to make their voice heard. I have friends on Facebook who are hairstylists and they were rallying. They were rallying hard. They showed up in a big way. I was sitting 
in a hearing where hairstylists were just putting down this bill. And I could see the color in the face of the legislators drain. I could see that they did not support this legislation anymore. One person leaned over to me and said of the sponsor (laughs) of the legislation, she's never getting her hair done in this town again. And that's a problem. (laughs) But such a great, you know, such a great example of people using the platforms that they have available, like social media, to get good information out, to draw a community of people together, to then go to Olympia and to be seen and heard in these sessions like, like what you saw. Fundamentally, our democracy works. You just have to be involved. What we see come out of Olympia is the result of a group of stakeholders who have been very successful in lobbying the legislature to get this agenda through. You can show up as well, and you can get your agenda through if you show up in a grassroots sort of way. Just great. Because what was the voter turnout this last election? We're still looking at that. We're still counting it. But it is much higher than 37%. That's what we saw in 2017. That was the last off-year election. Okay. We're, now we're in 2019. This morning, I believe it was around 43%. And that's statewide. Correct. Okay. So if people don't like the way the democracy is working or want their voices to be heard, they should be turning out at every election. Turn out at elections. Talk to your legislators. Show up in the legislative process. Get involved with your civic organizations. Get involved with your trade organizations. Yeah. And you always make yourself available. That is the one thing you have very said consistently. Anyone who wants to connect with you now is a great time because you're not in session. You're not spending your days in Olympia. So for business owners who want to get connected and find out how they can possibly be a voice or if they would like to better understand how some of these things are working, you are happy to step in that gap, right? I'm happy to plug anyone into the process. Wherever you stand politically, it's all about connecting you to your state government so that your voice is heard. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it because... Even for myself, I have learned a lot in hearing your commentary and your perspective and listening to how things work. And I almost wanted to call you when I was completing my last ballot. And then I thought, is this an overstep of friendship? If I reach out and say, Zach, I don't understand advisory votes. God, I wish I had. But I am certainly appreciative, and I know from just the numbers of people who listen and comment about these sessions, they are incredibly helpful, and my hope is that it equates to people reaching out. We would love to see a coalition be able to form around these topics in particular, and we would love to see people get out and vote. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And until next time, I'm sure we'll have another update as we get into 2020. I can't believe we're even talking about a new decade. It just sounds weird. But alas, time keeps marching on. So I would encourage all of you to get connected. And if you're not sure where to start, start with me. 
Thanks for checking into the checkup. We're all in it together.